This is episode 10, season 1 of Strength Agenda Radio. You are talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the 10th episode of Strength Agenda Radio, and this is the final episode of season one. First, just wanted to thank everybody for all their support and all the positive and constructive criticism that we've gotten on this season. Uh, We had a blast putting it together, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed every episode. Um, Once this season concludes, we'll be taking a short break to get everything put together for season two, which should be launching in December of 2017. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and our email list so you don't miss any updates and you're ready to go when season two is up and running. Thanks again. Today's top of the show, I want to talk about the best team ever. Um, I've seen a couple things on social media lately about various teams, clubs, etc. posting that they are the best ever or they are the best period. And while I, you can't hate on anybody for trying to market themselves, trying to you know make money off of their business in particular, um, you, you can't help but hope that they've at least done a little bit of their research when it comes to laying claim to the best team ever. Um, I've been very fortunate enough in this sport to be involved with two of what I consider the better teams in the country, and that would be California Strength out in San Ramon um, that's run by Dave Spitz and Cal Strength and uh, at Muscle Driver USA, which doesn't exist anymore, but was down in Fort Mill, South Carolina, and it was ran by Glenn Penlay, owned by uh, Brad Hess and Muscle Driver USA. Um, Those were two great teams, and the fact that they sponsored the athletes that worked for that, or that that trained and lifted for them in one way or another. At California Strength, um, now keep in mind I'm speaking from when I was at California Strength. It may have changed since I've left. I was there from... January 2012 till May 2012, a really short period of time. But what I gained and learned from there was, you know, you, you couldn't match it. Um, but they they gave you a place to train. They didn't charge you for the training. They didn't charge you for the programming, the coaching, etc. Um, but what they did do was they had you work the floor for them. California Strength was primarily a sports performance facility. They worked with a lot of athletes that were in the area, and they gave you uh, a job, essentially, coaching them in the lifts, coaching them in their training programs. And then with Dave's connections, uh, like myself personally, I was a throws coach at a local high school on top of working the floor and then training you know, full-time at California Strength. At MDUSA, it was a slightly different story. They gave us an actual stipend. They had three different levels of the stipend. Um, and you were essentially paid to train. You didn't have to pay to use the facility or the coaching or anything like that. They took care of your travel to competitions. They took care of your lodging. And they gave you a stipend on top of all of that, which was a really nice, you know, thing to have. Um, there was no other club at the time doing that for their athletes, that at least that I was aware of. Um, now things are a little bit different. Other uh, clubs and companies are kind of putting a little more money into the sport. They're, they're sponsoring lifters. They're paying for travel. They're paying for lodging, giving them a stipend. And that's what's needed to grow the sport. But before all these clubs you know, started making it cool to sponsor their athletes, I want to take you back to the 1930s and the innovator of weightlifting in the United States. 
Um, if you don't know anything about Bob Hoffman and York Barbell, you need to do some research and you need to go check this out. Um, as I said, Bob Hoffman, who is you know considered the father of world weightlifting, um, he's owned York Barbell back in the 1930s. Um, he originally bought the Milo Barbell Company and founded York Barbell in 1932. Um, and while, yes, it's a barbell company and you ask what's the point, um, he was the first person to sponsor weightlifting. Uh, anybody that was on his weightlifting team, they worked in his warehouse producing weightlifting equipment. So on top of having a facility to train, coaching, travel, and lodging for competitions and meets and all that stuff, you also had a job. So it was very flexible in terms of your competition schedule. It was somebody who understood weightlifting, who was giving weightlifters a chance. And at that time, from the 1930s to the 1970s, nobody could touch York Barbell. Um, for those who aren't aware, here's just a few of their accomplishments. Um, they've sponsored over 40 national championships in the sport. Um, not talking about team, we're talking about individuals. They've uh, produced numerous Olympic gold medalists. Now, I'm not talking about they just produced multiple Olympians. They have plenty of multiple-time Olympians, but they produced numerous Olympic gold medalists. Right now in the USA, there is nobody that can even hold a candle to that. So... You know, you throw in the numerous world records that were set. You know, the, you know, the numerous world championships that were won by the lifters for York Barbell. And I think it's very hard for anybody to claim best team ever until you have at least started to scratch the surface of the accomplishments that York Barbell has pulled off. Um, nowadays, York Barbell is simply just a, uh, an office. They have the uh, Weightlifting Hall of Fame Museum that is uh, located in York, Pennsylvania. So if you are a you know, strength enthusiast, I highly recommend you go check all that out. Um, I know there are a couple of coaches that are heavily influenced by what happened at York Barbell, what Bob Hoffman was able to do. But to simply say that you are the best team or the best team ever or anything along those lines is just simply not true. Nobody has even come close to what York Barbell, you know, was able to pull off. I would honestly say MDUSA was the closest, but they didn't last. So therefore, I, I, they're not better than York Barbell. They produced numerous national champions uh, that we had an Olympian come out of the system that MDUSA created. Um, she wasn't with the team at the time, but she still made it to the Olympics as a result of being found by, or, you know, you know, given a chance by MDUSA. We had multiple national champions from that uh, group. We had multiple American Open champions. We had multiple national medalists, and we had multiple World and Pan Am team members. So uh, that was the model that you know MDUSA tried to follow, what was done at York Barbell. But um, in this day and age, competition was a little bit stiffer. There were a lot more teams. There was a lot more access to resources for weightlifting. So for one reason or another, MDUSA um, ended up you know failing but they tried to duplicate what York Barbell did. Um, my, my point of all this is, is to realize, you know, when you are trying to promote yourself, when you are trying to boost yourself, when you are trying to brag about your accomplishments, good for you. You need to be proud of what you have accomplished in whatever sport it is, whether it's weightlifting or anything else. But just know that you stand on the shoulders of those who have come before you. York Barbell had some pretty big shoulders and they created a nice little shelf for everybody to stand on. So when you are making claims, when you are you know, advertising and, and promoting yourself, take a step back, remember your history, be a little bit humble about what was done before you were able to do it, be grateful, and let's all not try to say that we are better than York Barbell. What's one thing you use every training session? One thing that if you changed for under $10 would have an immediate effect on your training. 
for myself and my lifters that was upgrading to Hand Armor Chalk. Hand Armor, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, is professional grade stuff. We keep it old school in the gym with their block chalk, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan of their liquid chalk. I use it whenever I'm throwing as a base glare before I tape up my hands and it's a total game changer. It's completely mess free, long lasting, antimicrobial, and most importantly, gives me a great grip for my entire training session. I love this stuff and recommend you give it a try. The block chalk just starts at $3 and the liquid chalk under $7. Plus, if you use code AGENDA at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. HandArmorChalk.com. Go get yours now. All right, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the season finale of Strength Agenda Radio for season one. And this was probably the most difficult season to put together because I had to try and coordinate everybody's times to get them all on one podcast. But today... I have a bunch of the old Team MDUSA together to talk about where they are in life, training, um, and all sorts of randomness. So, so uh, first off, we have uh, the Caleb Whitby, the sheriff. Caleb, say hey. What's going on, bud? How's everything doing? And we have James Tatum, uh, national champ, multiple-time world team member, and Pan Am member. James, how you doing, bud? Oh, what's up? Happy to be here. And then we have down here, we got Sean and Taylor from the, still in the beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina area. What's going on, guys? What's up? Love you, Tom. <laughs> I love you, buddy. And then we have the 2016 Olympian, Morgan King, who just woke up about an hour ago, and she was uh, generous enough to grace us with her presence. Hi, Morgan. Hello. <laughs> and then standing next to me, I have Mike Zella. Uh, he finally moved back up here to Chicago, and we are hanging out in the gym. Hi, Mike. Hi, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is going to be interesting. So um, I apologize in advance to anybody that will be listening to this on the sound quality. Um it's one of those things we're trying to get a whole bunch of different people from different time zones and whatnot in one cast. Uh, might mess with the sound a little bit, so it might sound a little bit different than our other episodes, but just bear with us, and hopefully it'll be worth it in the end. So first things first, where is everybody at? What are you guys all doing currently? I don't care who goes first. Let's start with James. James, what are you doing right now? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina still. Uh, you yeah. know, we, we just stayed around. Uh, you know, kept training and, you know, doing things. You're up at the, um, it's not an Olympic training center. What is the, the facility that you're, you're working at right now and you're working out at? Uh, I go to a few places. Uh, one of the places is the United States Performance Center, and it's like a, um, it's a youth Olympic development site. Uh, and they just kind of promote youth athletes there and uh, try to promote the Olympic sports. So it's kind of a cool uh a cool little gym. Not really a weightlifting gym, but uh, they still got some good weightlifting stuff there. Nice. And then uh, Morgan, what is up with you lately? Where are you at? Where are you joining us from? What's going on with you? Um. Well, I was in Colorado, and then we decided to move up to Seattle. And then that didn't really work out. We were out there for about six months. And then we decided uh, my coach, Shaheen, is down in Arizona. And so we moved to Arizona. We bought a house down here, and um, Dean and I actually started a gym with Shaheen in Phoenix. Nice. Is that the Falcon weightlifting? It is. And we're, Dean has yet to officially, well, I guess when this airs, he'll be down here. But um, as of August, 
he hadn't been he hasn't been down here and so um yeah eventually what we want to do is kind of make it just a high performance center um just for weightlifting and um, yeah. kind of get kids and youth started and uh, all of that but yeah it's a little hot down here uh, i would i can only imagine but it's a dry heat you don't have to deal with humidity anymore it is true caleb what's it's going on with you dude so I'm here in Basin City, Washington, back on the home farm. It's chase around cattle all day. Yeah. <laughs> not getting smashed by trucks or anything, are you? No, not since, thank goodness. <laughs> and then Shauna Taylor, talk to me. Uh, we're still in Charlotte, so I don't see I don't see James nearly as often as I should. Um, what else? What else do we do? We run a we, we run a barbell club, heavy metal barbell club. Uh, we rent space out of another gym and have been growing the club, been growing our own business, and that's all going really well. Training. Hey, I got to come up there and see you guys a few times. You did. I got to come to the performance center. I don't know. I don't know, man. You guys can't hang out too many times. It's too much beard in one spot for a long period of time. Mike, what's going on with you, dude? Oh. <clears throat> I don't know, several months ago, I moved up to the uh, beautiful and amazing city of Chicago. We're sitting Back here. home with my peoples again. It's good to be back. I am, you know, uh, I, I, I work, at, uh, work at Tom's Gym, the Strength Agenda, coaching um, sports performance, mostly uh, younger kids and stuff like that, a little bit with the weightlifters, but... About it for me. We brought him in here because he can relate to the kids based solely on his size. A lot better than I could. <laughs> eye to eye. To eye, eye, to eye. It gets eye through to, to the children real well. Real well. Yeah. So, a couple things. Uh, most of the, the reason I have everybody in here is we're just talking about, you know, the old days at MDUSA and all that stuff. And um, to start it all off, for the people that don't know, um, MDUSA was a private weightlifting team that was funded by Muscle Driver USA and uh, Brad Hess. And um, essentially, we were the marketing budget for the company. Um, it started out in a really um, warm, hot uh, warehouse with like four platforms right next to a paint room. And it eventually moved into a much nicer facility across the street when they expanded the building and all that stuff. But it started out originally with myself, Caleb, Kevin, John, Donnie, and Jess. And then after our first tryout, we added Mike, Travis, James, I'm missing somebody, Chris. Yes. And then in the third tryout, we added pretty much the rest of the mainstays. We added, you know, uh, uh, Sean, uh, Morgan. Becca. Who? Else Who? Becca. Becca. God, how did I forget about Becca? Then no, Taylor was uh, after she came in with Ariel and all them there at the same tryout, right, Taylor? Yeah, I came in in the spring of fourteen. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Trevor might have come in, I think, with the same one with uh, Morgan and all them. But yeah. they've had numerous tryouts, and they every time we had a tryout, we added you know three, four, five lifters to the team, and it's kind of taken shape um, over the course of the years. People left, like Morgan ended up leaving to go to the Olympic Training Center. She couldn't pass up that opportunity. Caleb left to go back home and work on his farm. Um, I left to do my own thing, and then the gym eventually, uh, the, the the gym and the business closed down in two thousand. 16 correct like march of 16 march of 16 yeah and so the biggest thing to start the whole thing off i wanted to ask you guys you know answer it in your own way take as little or as long as you want was a what was your biggest takeaway from being with mdusa what was the biggest positive that you got out of being with mdusa <laughs> anybody can jump in 
Uh, you know what I would say? I would say the training environment. You know, it was, uh, I think at that time, it was one of the only places on the, really on the East Coast. I mean, I could speak because I was from North Carolina. And when I started weightlifting, I couldn't find a place to train on the East Coast. I mean, it was like, hmm, where am I going to go? Am I going to move to California? Am I going to move to Las Vegas with uh, bros or Colorado? That was it. And uh, so when Muscle Driver kind of came around, it was like, oh, a training center on the East Coast. This is exciting. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I think it did a big thing about bringing weightlifting to this side of the country. And now it's huge. Yeah. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is that I went to 48 kilos. Um, I never would have thought, like, we would have done the whole quad probably as a 53. Um, and so thanks to Travis and Glenn, they kind of changed the outcome of, you know, my future. And, uh, yeah. Now, was that solely just so you had a better chance at making teams or? Yeah. Was just Well, so Travis was really, like, I sat at, like, 51 kilos maybe on a heavy day. And yeah. he was like, there's, why are you 51 kilos? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, and so then he basically was like, well, you know, you've got three weeks to like drop weight. And he goes, you could potentially win your first nationals. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, this, these are the numbers the girls are doing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and you can make the world team. And so I was like, okay. So, I mean, from that nationals on, I made every international team as a 48. So, and as a 53, I guess at that point. But nice. That's because you're all around badass. Well, yep. <laughs> Anybody else? What do you got? Takeaways, positives from MDUSA. I thought it was cool because they kind of took a chance on a lot of us smaller guys. I mean, I came out of Provo, you know, picking it up at BYU and moved, you know, clear from Utah to the East Coast. I mean, that they took a chance on a lot of us smaller guys who still had got on the national scale yet. So that was a big thing that I was appreciative to Glenn and Brad about because that was. Well, that was my way in. I think you could have just stared at anybody and they would have let you train with them no matter what, Caleb. I don't think it... Sure, but I had to get in front of them first. And I think getting you know to Muscle Driver, even in the dusty conditions and all the paint feelings and oh, yeah, that heat and humidity. I mean, even in that thing, I mean, we still had to get out there and, and train. So. Yeah, those were some uh, interesting training sessions those first few months in that warehouse. I don't know if you remember, Tom, the, the first training session we had together as a team was at... Uh, Ultimate. Yeah, and it was so muggy. I mean, the oh, plates my. were wet. I mean, the floor was wet. I mean, it was so muggy. Rose, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much better once we moved over to the warehouse, but the problem is, is Ultimate didn't have any doors open. No, no. So we all just stuck in there. And I also remember you were, the first, you were the first person on Team MDSA to clean a shirt 400 pounds because that day... I made 80 because I thought it was 82 and I got all excited. And Glenn, Glenn informed me that it was only 80. Kevin missed the jerk at 82 and then you missed the clean and then came right back to it and cleaned the jerk 182 to be yeah. the first person on Team MBSA to clean the jerk 400 pounds. Yeah. Tom Taylor, what about you guys? Um, I'm going to have to say the relationships. No. No, no, I'm not. Like, obviously that, you know, I met Taylor and we're engaged for people who don't know that. But um, you, you gathered a lot of really unique people into one room, into one training system. And I think it showed the, the quality of those people, how everybody's come out and done their own thing. It was, it was a gathering of like some really good minds. And I learned a lot from everybody, you know, just 
a little bit from Travis, James, Caleb, Tom, even Q Dubs over there, Quick Witty, some good jokes from Trevor. So it was a, a really great environment because you had such great individuals. Yeah, I agree with that. That was it was always fun. We had a problem trying to get started training because we all just talked all the time. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I remember a couple times getting pushed out. Yeah, we can work out that because everybody is too busy sitting in the corner chatting and not doing what they're supposed to do. Mike, what about you? What'd you take away from me? Well, it was it was it was so awesome to be in, you know, a gym with so many so many like minded people with such a close uh with goals so close to my own goals. Um that's kind of the first time I'd had ever been in that kind of environment. Um but other than that, I got a lot of good opportunities to coach and teach some weightlifting seminars. So that, for me personally, gave me a huge, huge experience to kind of develop my coaching skill. Uh, and that's been a lot to me uh, since that time. Um, so let's go to the other side of it and be semi-censored on here, the negatives. What were some of the negatives in having so many different people in one training facility, so many different personalities, so many different goals and stuff along those lines? That you know, was it a takeaway? Was it this? Was it that? What were some of the negatives from being at NBUSA that you took away from it? I think uh, one of the biggest negatives was probably the leadership. You know that I don't know. You can almost take that as a positive because you can learn from that lesson and how the leadership will make the difference between the dynamic of the team. Um, and then different influences from different leaderships, uh, whether it was from the different coaches or even from uh, the business side of it, interfering with the weightlifting. And uh, yeah, I think that I, got, I think that made things a little bit tricky near the end. I'd probably have to agree with that. Um, and that's, I think, ultimately, like, it was a stepping stone for me. And, but I did see that there was going to be probably an end into it and so that's why when I got the opportunity to go to the training center um, I definitely couldn't pass up that chance because there was you know that strong leadership in Zygmunt and he expected a lot and there was a lot of stability out there and um, and I think that was what was key for me that I realized that muscle driver you know got me to where I needed to go and then I needed to move on from that and continue to progress I think that worked out for you yeah, I would say I would say it did. Well, I uh, I'm sure this news will be out by the time this episode comes out. But I had a uh, rotator cuff tear, and I actually have to go to a doctor's appointment right now, so I gotta wow. gotta bounce out. All right, James, thanks for checking in. Go on, have fun at your uh, doctor's appointment. Keep us posted on how you're doing, dude. All right. Damn. It's kind of hard to follow that uh, that super disheartening news. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I, I, uh, I nominate Taylor to talk about negatives of Muscle Driver oh, since she worked there and saw the sauce, how the sausage was made. <laughs> That's actually one of the negatives. Is not not actually working there, but the stipend system. Um, I think a lot of people had a misunderstanding of how much we were getting paid, um, and they assumed that yeah. we were getting a living wage. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to – like, I made $400 a month. Um, no, but, yeah, I mean, it's, that's – there's nothing can – No public knowledge, yeah, but mean, it, wasn't, so. it wasn't public knowledge to – some of the employees in the warehouse who thought we were making like 36k a year or some ridiculous figure. 
Right. So like, I've like, like there's opportunities to grow. Like when you put up the correct, uh, correct total or the right total, they would make you go up a level or whatnot. Um, but sometimes those totals were skewed or like what meets you could do them at. Like at first it was okay for local meets and then you had to do it on a national stage. Um, it's just things like that. Like that was a negative. There was not a whole lot of clarification about how we would make more money. And so for someone like me, I came in with like a car payment and student loans, all this shit. And I had to get a job. So like, I didn't get to take the whole, take advantage of the entire system because it was like, I was working between training sessions. Caleb was as well. Like, it's just, it's what had to happen to keep our families and keep ourselves above water. Um, yeah, no, I, I was just piggybacking off that. The other thing that I like for me in particular was just the pressure to keep hitting a certain total to make sure you didn't bump off uh, your, your stipend or whatever. Because I know, especially for me in particular, towards the end of my time at MDUSA, it was I was being told, like, if you didn't total X, you were going to get bumped down to C team or you would lose your stipend and all that stuff. So, I mean, just that added pressure when you're trying to learn and figure out a sport or especially if you're dealing with an injury of any kind, like that just doesn't help, you know, anybody, you know, it would keep them in the right mental capacity of it. So I mean, I, I, I don't know if I was the only one that dealt with that. I guarantee you there were others, but you were, you were not. You, you, um, <laughs> when, when I came, um, we took on a bunch of people in my, I'll call it class of MDSA recruits. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of us were, were new and not very good. And, and some of us probably shouldn't even have been there, but, uh, we were, we were, we all really wanted to be. And I think this comes back to like poor leadership. The point that James make uh, probably a lot of the things that we're going to complain about the stem from that one thing, but right. Glenn basically made it clear to four of us that we're going to have a, a gauntlet every month where we're going to max out. And the guy who does the best gets to keep the stipend. I do. I do. Remember that was that. awful. And I did that for four months straight so that I didn't have to move home. And I didn't, I, my total went up, but I didn't really get better at weightlifting. And I was t- tired all the time and always taking like excessive amount of energy drinks. I said like, just because I'm like, if I don't lift the X amount of weight or more than the next guy, I'm going to have to go home, you know, which, which, you know, that's good and bad. Uh, you know, that's a successful system in like Bulgaria. Uh, but we're we're in the United States, and that's not maybe culturally appropriate. So so that was definitely a tough time. Yeah, I, I do remember Tim in particular. That was a big reason why he left because he just said flat out like we went too heavy too often, and he just wasn't gonna do that to himself. Um, and he was also coming off an injury, and that's how he got injured the first time. And I mean, I know that played a big part in the reason he left. Yeah, one thing that people don't understand the way I'm doing it, because I, I know when the whole thing with Texas Barbell started, Morgan, I think you were gone at this time when yeah. that whole thing went down or whatever, but it was essentially like a pros versus Joes type debate. Like we were the Yankees and Texas Barbell was the Red Sox or whatever and all that. And people were always using the argument, well, they're professional athletes. And yeah, the stipend structure at that time was... Nah, yeah, there was nothing professional about us as a team outside of the fact that MDUSA did pay for all of our travel. Like, that was the one thing that was really nice about the setup was that they paid for the the travel, they paid for our lodging, they gave us a little bit of a per diem while we were at the competition, um, and that was one less stress we had to worry about, but we were far from being what people would consider um, professional athletes. And I, I don't know if anybody else has anything to you know, add or chime in on that, but... Yeah, I mean, 
that was when that happened that was uh what was that that was 24 2014 nationals right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was my last meet with muscle driver because i had agreed to uh to do that meet with you guys and be on the team and i just remember like it was this huge hubbub about like, and I was like, no, you guys have no idea what's going on. Like, there's a reason I left, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was, I mean, that was, that was definitely the turning point for me that I was like, I gotta, I can't even be associated with it. Like, and I wouldn't talk about muscle driver. I wouldn't do any, like, cause I was just, I was so hurt by like what was going on and like, you know, yeah, and was, how they handled me leaving and all of that. I, the, the, the funny, not I should say funniest, but the, the one bright spot about it was I think Sean, you were up at the OTC shortly after um, that whole thing happened, and you took a picture with Colin Burns. <laughs> yeah, and you posted something to the effect of like, see, like the Red Sox and Yankees do get along, or something along those lines, and I I just chuckled at that. Yeah, it just happened that day. You know, I had, I have well, I have a million muscle driver shirts, uh, but he was wearing his Texas barbell shirt and. I have a, a lot of respect for Colin and had like some really like good, meaningful conversations with him in person and, and online. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just like, Hey, let's snap a picture because like weightlifters, there's a lot of, there, there was a lot of like pretend built up animosity. Uh, yes. I think, I think, you know, in an age of social media, people just need escapism and something to bitch about so they can, for the reason they latched onto weightlifting and like that was a thing. But in, in real life, there wasn't really like, animosity between the two the, the weightlifters on these teams no it was the owner yeah. the quote-unquote owners of the teams oh uh, yeah coaches yeah. whatever well, well here was my whole like topic or my, my, my whole issue with the entire thing is everybody was arguing about a team title in an individual sport right yeah <laughs> <laughs> for crying out loud i mean like it didn't matter if we won nationals that did not affect morgan qualifying for the world team or you know right. if sean like it just drove me nuts that people emphasize the team aspect so much yes the team thing is good for like marketing purposes but as a whole like team titles absolutely meant nothing for us like we won the team title at the 2013 american open when we had three or four people win i think everybody that we brought to the american open outside of tim medaled that year mm -hmm. and there was no to do made about the fact that we won the team title. Like it was just, Oh, okay. We won. Great. Congratulations. Kind of a deal. Right. Um, I mean, Glenn was also in a coma, so there was that, but that was fun. <laughs> that was so horrible. That was right before I lifted. Everything happened. Thank I God watched him. I watched around. him collapse right before my session. Like I'm in my singlet ready to get on platform yeah. wondering where Glenn is. And he literally collapsed oh, out of the elevator I mean, and then Caleb took over. Yeah, well, the day Caleb and I were supposed to live, we were at the we were at the hospital for like four or five hours, like just kind of hanging out, <laughs> waiting for his family to get there. That's right. Yeah, so that there that whole night, and then you know, part of the yeah, next day. Was there. Caleb was there the most out of everybody because because we only had that the 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 one um, suburban that I rented um, because because I rented the, the big old Chevy Suburban and then they had that ice storm. So that was like the only way to get around Dallas because everything else was shut down. And I just remember Caleb just kept taking that Suburban back and forth to the hospital because it wasn't that far of a drive from where we were all staying at the hotel. Well, and then Mike and I got really drunk and argued for about eight hours until we had to go to the airport. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like something I would do. Oh my God. Do you remember? We like, we bought like 24 pack of Corona and 
We kept drinking and putting him on the windowsill. <laughs> and then it was like 5 a.m. And I think we, our flight was at like, you know, we had to leave at like 6.30. And both of him and I are screaming at each other about programming. It was so bad. <laughs> Morgan, this is, this is also the gentleman after he had his first six for six competition at the Arnold got drunk and we were all hanging out and he went into my room at that great, really nice Motel 6 that we bragged about <laughs> and, and stole my gym shoes and hid them under his, the other pil- set of pillows on the other bed in his room. I closed the door too hard and you know the security latch? Uh-huh. Like, oh, you know, if, if I closed the door too hard and it flipped over and I couldn't get back in my room because like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how I got back in there. The guy wouldn't, the hotel manager wouldn't, like, let you in. Let me in. That was also the same motel that Travis went and bought new sheets because he refused to sleep on the ones that the hotel provided us. <laughs> I, I, I came back from training. I can understand. And it's got, like a, it's got, like, a tile floor or linoleum floor. I got back from training, and Travis is has, like, uh, like Lysol sheets under his feet, and he's shuffling around the room <laughs> to clean every square inch of the floor. Oh, my gosh. That's well, Tom, you remember the cigarette burns on the bathtub? Yeah, yeah, and you and, and the TV from 1992. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, the, that was the last year that Glenn was in charge of booking uh, hotels and stuff like that because for the Ameri- uh, for the Arnold Classic, we would go out there every year, and um, there was if you didn't book the competition hotel months in advance almost like a year in advance like there was no chance of staying anywhere remotely close so glenn found as he put it a really nice motel six about 30 minutes from the venue and um it, it advertised a pool and there was no pool anywhere on the ground oh my god there was a parking lot where the pool was supposed to be but anyways so moving past like as you guys have as mdsa has you know come and gone um where are you guys at now in your training? Obviously, Caleb has a little bit of a different answer than everybody else, but like, what is your focus? What are what are your goals for this upcoming quad? Like, Morgan, obviously, you probably had the most, you know, hands down, you had the most successful quad um, from 2012 to 2016 out of all of us. But moving into you know 16 to 20, like, where is everybody heading? Where is your mind at? What you know, what are you focusing on? Um, I guess, I mean, I'll start. Uh, I mean, my goals are, you know, I've, I've done the, like, I've done the international thing and, you know, I've gone to the Olympics. And I think for me, the big thing, the last quad is that, like, I almost felt like super honored to be part of like the international lifters, you know, we put them on a pedestal and like, we think that they're like these gods. And now I'm like, well, why not me? Like, why, why them? Like I'm now, I've been here for, you know, I've been doing weightlifting for five years. Like it's my time now. And so I think my goals are, you know, medal internationally and, you know, I'm going to do my quad a lot smarter and compete less and, you know, almost take that like Kendrick Ferris approach where like, you know, show up when you need to not show up all the time just because you can. Um, Absolutely. That, that, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's nice to, like, you know, I obviously have Shaheen now, and, you know, he's been to the top. He understands how it goes, and um, yeah. and so he knows, and he doesn't believe in competing, you know, every couple of months, and I really, I really like that about him, and, um, you awesome. know, we, 
we do the four years and then come back. We don't do um, competition to competition competition. Um, so that's kind of my goal. Um, but, you know, I'm getting old, so I got to be a little bit smarter um, with the training. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I mean, that's why we moved down to Arizona. I mean, that's not, it's not really a place that Dean and I saw ourselves in, but you know, when you have goals yeah. and, and you know, you know what you want to do, it's kind of where it takes you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Mike, I know obviously you're working at the gym with me, but that's true. You're, we, Mike and I, like somebody thought it was a really good idea that Mike and I can be left unsupervised for multiple hours in the evening with a bunch of children around but um but the, the thing is you know mike is still training he's still working his butt off he's you know he, he's training i'm not necessarily I'm, I'm lifting but i'm not doing weightlifting anymore i'm i have a really bad hip injury that i sustained actually rushing a workout to watch morgan lift at pan ams uh the, her first year that she made the pan am team thanks morgan yeah thanks morgan no. <laughs> it wasn't it, it honestly wasn't morgan's fault it was i finished the workout and glenn didn't believe me that i hit all my sets and asked me to do another set again at 190 oh my and God. i caught it i caught it i caught it weird rush standing up and i heard a bunch of pops in my hip and so I have no bursa sacs in my left hip, and it just causes constant issues. So my training is severely altered now to the point where I squat like once a month. It's fantastic. But, Mike, what um, what is your plans for the upcoming quad? I, like I said, obviously you're working here and doing all that, but training-wise, like are you – I know you um, competed at Nationals. Yeah, I competed at Nationals. It was in Chicago. Uh, so that was the main reason that I was there. Um, but I'm taking a step back from competitions for a while. I don't feel like at Muscle Driver, we went to every American Open, every Nationals, and it was always like we were on such a short-term training program to get from this competition to the next one. Um, I don't feel like doing that anymore, and I don't have any reason to do that <laughs> anymore, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, so I want to get some good, good long training cycle or whatever training program in, and I want to be become the strongest that I've ever been in my life and we'll see what I decide to do when that happens. Also the heaviest you've ever been in your life right now. <laughs> well, I'm on a diet. <laughs> I, I, I need to be on a diet. That's okay. what I meant to there, say. There you go. There you go. Sean Taylor, what about you guys? Wait, quick question. Mike, how much do you weigh right now? <laughs> Seventy-four and a half kilos. What was, what was it? Seventy-four and a half kilos. I outweigh Mike for the first time in my entire career. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this happens every six months. Like, I'm so time. excited. No, it's like 76. I'm like a I'm a full on 75 now, buddy. I don't know if I believe you. Go step on this. That's scale. legit. I don't, I don't believe Mike. I don't, I don't believe Mike, Mike at all. I don't believe Mike. No He's way. Like <laughs> right. He was hey, like. I know I look swole. Beth, Beth is going to grab a scale to make. <laughs> yeah. While we're doing that, Sean Taylor, where are you guys headed to squad? I'll let Taylor go first. Um, uh, well, so Sean has been doing, so I had surgery on my knee back in September. Um, so a lot of my like training before that was through pain, so it wasn't really productive. So we've been, Sean has been doing all of my coaching and my programming and goal setting and all that, which has been really good. He's a, uh, he's very good at that. So, um, we, I did a 201 total this weekend, at a little local meet, um, and we're looking at. The American Open in Anaheim. That's my next one. So hopefully somewhere like, hopefully 210. So that would be nice. Well, you just told 201. 201, right? Yeah. yeah. That, 
It was that that was a PR total, correct? Yeah, it was a PR total, and it was a six for six. It was um, we kind of were going just more conservative, just to get back out and have some fun and feel because I was feeling good. So, training's going really good. Happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I went conservative and PR'd. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's fine. We're fine. Well, <laughs> that's a good sign. That's a good sign yeah. of things to come when you're going conservative and you still PR. Yeah, yeah no, okay. and then the no pain in my knees, so that's always good. Taylor, he weighs seventy five point four. Okay, I weighed. Uh, I weighed in at that meet on Saturday. Seventy six seven. All right, Sean or Caleb, I don't care which one of you goes first. What are you guys doing right now? I know Caleb. Obviously, we know you're you're on the farm and all that stuff. But what's what's going on for you? What's what's in store for the the the, the Whitby Ag? Can't remember the name of the company. I'm sorry. Uh, we're, well, there's a few different names. We're Whitby Farms. It's a kind of the farming operation. Farm Boy, we sell our beef under Whitby Ag. We export alfalfa to, you know, to internationally. So it's we've got a few different names. Oh, that's right, the alfalfa. I forgot. About that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, whatever. You, you always forget about the alfalfa. No, Caleb and I used to have actual discussions about the alfalfa. I, I know, I, like, I know. I've been around for the alfalfa talk. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world out here. It's just a different world. So anyways, I, I kind of run the cattle side of the operation, so we'll do everything from calving to the finishing end, selling beef and bulls, and it's kind of the whole mix there. And training-wise, it's kind of training whenever I can, more training to stay healthy. And right. Hasn't really been. I, I did compete last October. And just, I saw that. Yeah. So that was just kind of as a, I had John Thrush call me up and told me he wanted to had me come up that way, so I went up and. <laughs> what'd you What'd you hit? Oh, like one seventy, one thirty, or something like that. And that was after that would have been just under a year after I had torn my Achilles. So Wait, you tore your Achilles? Yeah. yeah. So 2015 <laughs> December. Tell this story. I don't know if I want to say the story. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been September fall. Um, Anyways, we were playing flag football, and it was one of the end of one of our last games, and I ended up just tearing my Achilles. Ouch. Not even moving hardly. So that was oh. kind of a not a fun deal. So it took quite a while to get recovered from that and back wow. to normal life. I got a text message from him with a picture of his foot in a boot. That's right. I forget about that. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, what did you do? I was like, did you like roll your ankle? He goes, no, I tore my Achilles. Oh. Yeah. I was like, what were you doing to tear? I thought it was like something on the farm, like he fell off a horse or something. Cool. That would have been respectable. Playing flag football and he tore his Achilles. Sean, what about you? Uh, what am I doing? Yeah, what, what, well, what are your plans for the next squad? I'm talking to you. I, Thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, what are your plans? Um, yeah, so in case people don't know, I had shoulder surgery in December of 2015. Uh, I tore my labrum and partial tears in my rotator cuff. So I have been arduously going through the recovery process with uh, really frustratingly slow results, but making progress nonetheless. What you just totaled, what you just totaled last weekend? Uh, I don't know. What is it? 305. 305? I don't know. That's all right. right whatever. Right. But yeah, 305? 25 and 80. Okay. Um, so that, I mean, that is a comeback PR. And like, that was the first time I had held 180 overhead in a long time. So that was good. Um, that, that, it was a good thing because it allowed me time to like finish school. I finished my degree and got, finally got that done. And that's out of the way. Ireland. So now I, um, I get to spend like, I always told myself that I would see 
weightlifting through 2020 as an athlete, regardless of what happens. So um, there's some things going on. I'm an Irish citizen, and I'm looking to compete uh, on behalf of Ireland if they are kind enough to select me in the future. That was my next question. I was going to ask if you were still in pursuit of that. Yeah. Um, due to some paperwork issues, we, I was not able to go to uh, Europeans this year, even though I had done the total necessary to go. So um, definitely looking forward to stuff in the future and just getting my shoulder back to where it needs to be. So everybody, I think, except for um, Morgan, I, but Morgan, I know you had hip issues, stuff like that. We're all just talking about injuries. Mm-hmm. I know Mike had knee surgery. Taylor had knee surgery. Sean had sh- shoulder surgery. Do you, I'm a, kind of a, I don't know if it's a touchy subject or whatever, but do you think that was a result of the way we trained at MDUSA? Like not not necessarily a direct result, but like a, a byproduct of how heavy, how often we went heavy, and how we were put in that competition mode um, often throughout a year. I'll speak to mine. Um, my injury was actually they said from probably overuse from soccer and the way I developed. Okay. Um, so even regardless of if I come to muscle driver, by the time I was probably thirty five, I was going to have to have surgery anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, muscle driver probably nine times a week, um, made the injury get to the point it was at where I needed it. But eventually, I mean, it made it worse, but I think it would have gotten there anyway. What about you, Mike? Uh, I don't think so. Um, it seems like the injury that I had kind of came on suddenly. Um, the doctor said, I mean, he said it could have been left over from when I was playing sports in college. That's a possibility. I actually think I did it on a power clean. I think I kind of remember the bone cracking in my leg because I heard something and felt something. But I shook it off for a while, which turned out to be a poor decision on my part. <laughs> Morgan, what about you? Any like lingering injuries, issues, stuff like that from the way that MDUSA trained uh, when you were there? Uh, no, I wouldn't say. I mean, I felt pretty healthy there, but I was also still like super new to weightlifting. Um, and I was also spoiled with Dean being so like, he was such a perfectionist in the sport that like he was watching literally everything I did all the time. Um, and so his attention to detail, I would say helped me. But then when I had the, I think I had torn my labrum a long time ago, like in soccer, but, um, I also had a stress fracture in my hip. Um, and that's probably from overuse because, the doctors were saying like, that's really, really weird for a weightlifter to have a stress fracture in their hip. And I still competed on it at worlds, which was probably not the smartest idea. Cause that could have been bad. But, um, I mean, I had to take 12 weeks off after. So, yeah. um, it still bothers me. I mean, I just call it my grandma hip and know what to do when it, you know, when it happens. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't think so because that was the first time that I had done, you know, nine nine times a week. But I had been doing like crazy triathlons and marathons. Like I put my body under a ton of stress before weightlifting. So, Sean, yeah. what about you? Uh, no, I think it's previous sport related as well. Yeah. Like I think yeah. – so I used to play rugby. Not, not my entire life but enough. And in rugby, there's this thing called a scrum where you're binding your shoulder on in a weird way. And um, – thinking about you know why my injury happened like I've always been really strong in like things over my head it, it just the position that I used to have to be in when I played rugby is pretty injurious it's actually pretty stupid 
um, when I think about it. It's not it's it's pretty similar to probably like guys who do jujitsu. So I think just oh, that that amount of repetitions, and then you just yeah you it's sport. You're going for maximum weights, and I and I remember when it happened. Like it was on my second snatch in a meet. I still made my third snatch and like two clean jerks after that. You know, so was that the the fifteen nationals? No, it was before that. It was actually in April at RVA Open. RVA Open. So it happened before that. I couldn't raise my arm the next day. Oh, um, because the, the fifteen open that was the one we that was like you had a great or not open uh, uh, nationals. You snatched forty five. Yeah, and I still had great. I had some of the best training in my life leading up to the event, and then yeah. And then came back and, like, had a great nationals. I was one lift away from meddling. Um, it was – yeah, it was still a good performance. And yeah. so I couldn't say that it was inherently the way we were trained at all. Yeah. What about you, Caleb? Any nicks, bangs, bruises, or anything like that from the way we trained at NBUSA? Or, you well, know, kind of a, the, way we, I mean, the way we look at it is we have to look at it in kind of two different cycles, at least with, for you and I, is because we were with Glenn in the very beginning when he was – you know, when he, when he was still pretty rational from his stuff and – we were going 100% all the time. Yeah. So we were tired, depressed, ornery, you know, hurt, sore. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that went on for a long time. And so when, when that kind of transitioned, for me, when Don finally stu- stood up and, you know, told me to fix my stuff, and when he started helping me with my training a little bit, for me, it took a lot of that stuff away and kind of let me train well the way I needed to. So, I mean, I was able to get strong and healthy. And so when, my injury was the fact that, Muscle-wise, I was fine. It's just I hadn't continually kept up the training for, you know, over a year. And so then I just kind of, when I decided to actually play, stuff got hurt. But that was kind of my two sides of the the training. It's really interesting, Caleb, because you brought up, like, for you and I and even Mike in the, the, the original warehouse is I'll talk to my lifters all the time about what kind of, like, a wild, wild west no, That's type. exactly what it was type atmosphere that we had like <laughs> i mean it was it, there were four platforms it was super fun it i was, know that much it was fun on certain days and the other days when we're getting into fist fights that wasn't as fun oh no those were the days uh, that i was talking about <laughs> <laughs> mike, mike only thought they were fun because mike would sit up on top of the plyo boxes with some popcorn and just watch everything go on um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, I definitely would agree that things went in waves. When we first got there, it was Wild Wild West. It was every man for themselves. And <laughs> if you didn't make, it was, I mean, you're laughing, but you didn't, you didn't make a lift and you didn't hear the end of it for like the remainder of the week. Even that if, was like, fun. Even dude. if you only had one bad training day and then you had four other good like, training days, like, all you heard about for the entire week was that one bad day you had then. Like when Don, 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 it was really great when Don came over because he finally, like, I know he grabbed Caleb, he grabbed me and was just like, you need to pull it back a little bit. Like you, Don pretty much told me, he goes, you snatch like shit. He goes, and you need to fix that like right now. And I mean, my technique got a little better, um, but I never was able to adjust to any sort of a technical proficiency because my weight was constantly fluctuating, mostly going up, but, uh going down at the end there so for uh got a couple more questions then we're gonna go ahead and do the lightning round uh real quick before weightlifting what was what were you in your other life what was your your passion what was your sport some of you kind of already delved about it but um what was your what, what were you before you were a weightlifter well tom i'm glad you asked me <laughs> um, before i was a weightlifter i used to play baseball i used to play football uh 
And even while I was participating in those sports, I still enjoyed being in the weight room more than I enjoyed being on the field. And I guess that's how I ended up becoming a weightlifter. Morgan, you're up. Uh, um, well, everyone knows I did CrossFit before, but I did it for like six months. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, uh, well, you don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, but... No, I mean, I probably, I was trying to actually get a job and become a graphic designer, and I was just kind of dabbling in, like I said before, like, you know, triathlons and marathons, because I love, I love running, I love all of that stuff, but I got really freaking bored, and yeah, and then I met the man of my dreams, and he just loved weightlifting, and kind of stemmed from there, and then I just wanted to, like, crush everybody that was in my way, so... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you for, uh, thank you, Dean, for blessing us with morning. Um, yeah, I think I'm like Mike in that way. That like we have that Napoleon complex of like, okay, I'm gonna smash everybody whoa, whoa, in, whoa, in the whoa. weight room. <laughs> I, Morgan, I couldn't agree with you more. I have nothing like Napoleon Dynamite. Let's get that straight right now. <laughs> Wrong Napoleon, Mike. Wrong Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, I was a legal assistant, actually. So. That's right, you were. Tom, you were, yeah, right before I started uh, Join Muscle Driver, uh, Tom was my coach, and I was training six days a week by myself in a CrossFit gym and uh, being a legal assistant. And on Sundays, she would drive down to Charlotte. Fuck, I would drive 300 miles round trip every Sunday. Easy. Did that for what? like. She did that for like three months, and I was yeah. like, "Look, here's the deal. Like, this is some serious dedication. I'm like, I'm gonna talk to the guys at MGSA. We're doing a tryout. You need to show up." And oh my gosh! That's crazy. So, Sean, you're welcome. Um, Sean, what were you in your previous life? <laughs> um, I guess I was a coach. Like every every I, when I came to the conclusion that I just can't play rugby forever, I decided uh, I should uh, start coaching people or training people in some way, and that. Got me really involved in CrossFit and strength conditioning and working with uh, collegiate and pro athletes. And weightlifting was just a tool that I needed to know how to teach well. So I, I used to make trips up to Cal Strength. I was actually there at Tom's first time visiting Cal Strength. I was, I was staying for a week. And uh, Glenn just left training and was like, I got to go prick this car up from the airport. And comes <laughs> back and here comes this fucking jolly giant walking in the door. <laughs> and, Callie, are you sure you're talking about the Tom I know? Yeah, this was before I started training. This was, this was, skinny, this was skinny Tom. So it was, yeah, okay. I was like 265. Yeah. Like, scratch my knees and straight up, like just total ape looking. I can't remember. I think you snatched like 137 that day for the first time. I, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know. I, by the end of the week, I snatched 35. I remember that. But uh, yeah, he came in, you know, Glenn was working with you and, but anyway, I used to make trips like that just because I was like, all right, I need to master everything I can to uh, to teach it better. And I just ended up training weightlifting all the time for myself because it's just too much fun. Caleb, what about you, dude? You were in San Diego? Wait, Sean, you were in San Diego? I was outside of Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a Kings fan. Yeah, so I mean, before weightlifting, I was just at, you know, I got home from my mission from Brazil and was at school at BYU and got married and just living the normal life. Graduated with an exercise science degree. Thought I was going to be a, 
a strength conditioning coach and was doing personal training there at Gold's Gym in Provo and thought I was going to go that route. But things changed a little bit. Caleb was also an All-State mm-hmm. football player. He leaves that out. Well, that was a yeah. nice group, you know. Wow. Yeah, in Washington. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, hey, Mike. Hey, you play 8 football in high school, Caleb? Stop it. Yeah. How big was your school, Mike? Uh, he went to a Catholic school, so he has no room to talk. Yeah, so we had 3,300 kids in our school. Oh. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is it the only school in the state? <laughs> no, there's a few more of those. I thought you were out, out in, like, farm country. Where would you get that many kids at? We we are we are in farm country. You have to drive thirty miles. Is in farm country. Yeah. Whole county in one school, Mike. No, no, no. <laughs> Look at it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Last thing before we go into the lightning round and everybody's plug time. Um, one piece of advice for anybody that wants to either get into weightlifting, whether it be by a coaching, um, or the, the the competitive side, or both. Uh, anybody just pipe up real quick. What What is your number one piece of advice for anybody that um, either is brand new to it or is wanting to get into it? Be patient. Be patient. Don't, yeah, don't like, d- things don't come very, uh, very easily fast. And when they do, it starts to slow down and people don't understand that. Um, and then I would also say my biggest thing is because I get so many questions about dropping weight. Don't drop weight unless you are like super competitive. Like performance is way more important than what weight class you're in um, and staying healthy. And yeah. That's awesome. I, I especially like the, 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 the weight cut thing because I constantly, when I have a new lifter coming in, they're like, what weight class should I be in? And I'll just say like, whatever you weigh right now, that's your weight class because yes, their, their weight's going to fluctuate within the first six months of training. I mean, I know I put on weight, like, good weight the first right. six months after that it was kind of questionable how good it was but i mean your weight right. fluctuates so much in that first year of training that that is a huge piece of advice caleb right blows my mind yeah i mean i was when i picked it up i mean i was from the day my coach found me i mean i was doing power cleans in a gym i mean when he talked to me that next day and from then on i was every single day you know except for sundays i was training weightlifting you know and it wasn't the dedication was there, and so I mean, if you're going to do it, you know, go 100 percent and do it. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't dabble. Yeah. I would say my advice is to make sure that you have uh, the muscles necessary to be training as hard as you want to train. I'm not kidding. I know it sounds funny, but all these people who get into weight, they're like, "Oh, I want to do weightlifting. I want to max out every day. I want to do all this stuff and train super hard." And weightlifting is their first exposure to any type of strength training or muscle building activities in their life. How are you going to go hard and pound your body up and down all over the place with weights upon weights upon weights when you've got no muscles to be supporting those weights? More flexibility. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know? that, so that's the thing is like our, our Instagram for the gym is very heavily favored towards Olympic weightlifting. And we get parents coming in here and they're like, I want my kids to do that. And Mike is phenomenal when he talks to these parents and he goes, no, like that's not happening. Like. He goes, this is what's going to happen first. And, like, he has them running through their circuits, doing their balance, like, their muscular balance works and, and all the stuff and, and getting their, their base good to go. And then they get into, like, the lifting. And it's really interesting because, like, some of the kids will be like, oh, my God, this is so easy. 
and the parents are all confused and all that stuff. But yeah, no, I, I the way he worded it was goofy at the start, but I, I 100% agree. <laughs> like making yeah. sure they have that base so they can they can handle what's about to get thrown at them. I got another piece right. of advice. Sorry to jump in again, but when you're <laughs> seriously for weightlifting, when you're training, you should train with the minimal effective dose of training to to make sure that you make progress. You don't do everything that you can do on that particular day. Do as little as you have to in order to stimulate progress, and then you build off of that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. People are just. Sean Taylor. Uh, listen to your body in all aspects, not just injuries, but like, like kind of like what Mike's saying. Like, you don't have to go hard in the pain all the time. Like, listen to your body and know when to stop and know when to like. Hey, my shoulder kind of aches today. Let's do some extra stuff. Like, don't just like go balls to the wall. What about the gram, though, Taylor? Uh, well, that, that gets gram. that gets to my uh, piece of advice, which is make sure you have uh, the latest phone, uh, a good tripod, a good reliable tripod. Um, and some video, tiny shorts video editing skills. Hold on, let me and oh. and you want to take a basic cinematography sc- course on how best to <laughs> <show up. laughs> maybe all at one at your local community college. There's some websites I can refer people to do to research hashtags, and you know that's that's really the most important part of weightlifting nowadays. So um, you don't need to do anything; just do it in the gym. Say even just say you did it. Don't don't need to be like an inspirational picture and say I snatched 180 today and fucking put it on the internet and be fine. Um, in in reality, my my piece of advice is get a coach. Um, I know I've heard Tom talk about this ad nauseum. So, but if but it, it really is the most important thing. Like if yeah. if if you really want to do, and I don't even mean like competitively, but if you want to do weightlifting and you want to do it to get some real benefit for your personal health and wellness and all the other like good positive mental benefits, get a coach. Stop wasting your time and stop wasting everybody else's time. Get a coach. I would agree to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, and it, I mean, with the plethora of information that is out there in this day and age, like it's not that hard to find a coach near you. Um, it's like yeah. whether it's remotely. I mean, I, we all, some of us have our remote businesses. I obviously think like in person is a lot easier to work with because you can make daily adjustments remotely. It can be done, but it's just not as beneficial versus the in-person. But no matter what the level of having that coach is like, try to find a coach. There's all sorts of governing bodies that do uh, some sort of a certification that gives them the basics. And you know, you'll be able to, it's a lot easier in my opinion to sift through the riffraff of those who are actually wanting to get people better. And those who are just wanting to say, Hey, I'm a weightlifting coach. All right, yeah. so trying to figure out. Let's do let's do the lightning round, and then we'll do plug time afterwards. Uh, so you guys can push anything that you uh, you're working on or any projects and stuff like that. You guys all ready for the lightning round? Got. I'm gonna do three questions. I'm just gonna ask it, and I want your first thing that comes to mind with the answer. And I'm just gonna call on you, and you're gonna go. So y'all ready? Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. You're a new addition to the cram box. What color are you, and why, Morgan? Uh, neon because I have that's a, not a color. A that's, a, that's, a, that's like a batch of colors. Neon. We're gonna pick neon. one color. Neon. Well, what? Uh, one color. One color. Uh, neon green. Nice. Why? Because um, well, green is fierce. Um, and because um, I brighten everybody's day. Oh, that you do. That you do, Mike. Oh, I would put in a crayon that could erase whatever crayon you just wrote with. So if you make a mistake, you can correct it. 
Oh, Taylor, please. Um, God, how do I how do I follow Mike though? Uh, I know. Not- <laughs> I'm sorry. God. Um, not quite black. Black. I don't know. I like black as a color. There you go. Like like it's midnight black or pitch black. black. You want like 11:45 black? Exactly. 11:45 black. Nice. Right. Right. Caleb. Do I have to answer this question? Yes, you do. Yes. Yes. Next question. No. No. <laughs> No, no. Give me a color, Caleb. You don't have to give me a Y. Just give me a color. A color. Let's see. How about uh, blue? Does that work? I knew he was going to say blue. Sean, <laughs> color True Y. Blue. Uh, Penley Republican tan. <laughs> oh, <man>. oh, <laughs> I think Sean was awesome. Oh my god. Yes. Damn it. Yes. Damn it. Oh, wow. That was okay. Moving on. Awesome. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Hey, Tom, what's your, what color would you add to the crayon box, you fool? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to join Morgan's uh, neon cult. I'm going to go neon yellow. Yes. Just why not? Okay. okay. Yeah. Highlighter yellow, because that's my first pair of uh, Nike shoes, and I miss those shoes every day. Exciting. Um, Some of my old shoes stolen, by the way. Gets the people going. Gets the people going. Oh. All right, who's winning in a fight, Spider-Man or Batman? Taylor. Dude, Batman. Spider-Man's a bitch. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Caleb. Oh! Sorry, family-friendly show. My bad. Wow. Caleb. Wow. I'm going to go with Batman, too. See? Yeah. This is interesting because so I asked this question a couple other episodes, and the first two responses I got have been Spider Man. Well, those guys have obviously been, never but, met the Dark Knight. They aren't real men. Morgan, who's winning, Spider Man or Batman? Okay, well, I have an explanation for this. So, my brother has a two year old son, and he loves Spider Man. Okay. But my brother doesn't think Spider Man is a real superhero, so he's trying to force that's him to like Batman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's phenomenal that's hilarious he's like so he's so mad and then so i'm going with spider-man because i love my nephew fair enough fair Good enough answer. sean your nephew's wrong batman <laughs> wow batman i'm just again i'm gonna join morgan just because i feel bad for her i'm gonna go spider-man really drop billions of dollars of resources <laughs> the world's greatest detective a teenager with a suit that does not <laughs> Okay, well, hold on. <laughs> hold on, because I would say Iron Man, first of all. I would say Iron Man, and didn't Iron Man fund Spider-Man, or isn't that the new thing? Listen, that's yeah, whatever. Made up story, yeah. The point is, one has superpowers, it is? the oh, other damn is it. just a regular guy. I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, his okay. A guy who was charged with taking down Superman. <laughs> and did it, right? And did it. <laughs> that's... Who 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 says what is cheating? Who wrote now, the Tom, rules? This is the Serengeti. All right, you should know better. <laughs> Every man for himself. Every man That's for right, himself. Mike. All right, all right. Since we're all uh, around the same age, uh, favorite Power Ranger, Mike. Green Ranger, obviously. My favorite color is green. Nice. Morgan. Um, I don't really remember um Power Rangers, but I'm gonna go um yellow. <laughs> Yellow. <laughs> uh, yellow? Isn't that the girl? Isn't she? Yeah, yeah. It's one of them. Yeah, good one. 
Okay, I'm going with the yellow one because I don't like pink. All right, kill it. <laughs> All right, I don't watch Power Rangers. Surprise. Thank you. Violence. You didn't watch Power Rangers? Do you, but, but still, but who's your favorite? You can still have a favorite. What colors are there? Red, blue, black, blue. green. He's going to say blue. blue. Yellow. White. Don't you blue, say Yeah. Red. What do you say? I said let's go with blue. Uh, nice. That was the, that was Billy, the nerd. Great. <laughs> I was more of a Captain Planet person. So. Oh, Captain Planet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. John, what did you say? Oh, yeah. green. Green, yeah, green. Actually, the Green Ranger actually lives like near where I grew up, which is hilarious. The Green Ranger or the actor who portrayed him on TV? The, no, the real Green Ranger. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Does he, does he play his dragon flute? <laughs> I bet he does. <laughs> who hasn't answered yet? Taylor? Uh, the White Ranger. It's a good one. The White Ranger. You might remember the Gold Ranger. That was like, a, no. I think that was after we got out of like elementary school, wasn't it? I don't remember. All I know is that my brother used to tell me that the Red Ranger came back and he was a Gold Ranger and he drove around a pyramid. What the hell? Sounds realistic to I, me. Yeah, this I don't is a know. terrible question. This is a terrible question. Terrible question. All right, fine. I'll give you another one, Morgan. Here we go. Last one, then we'll wrap it up for you guys. Oh, God. Ooh, this is a good one. How many donuts are you capable of eating in one sitting? Mike. I like max or just like to be comfortable? Like to survive? <laughs> max? Three. Three keeps me running. Uh, if I was testing my max, oh, easily. 12 or 15. We're going to test it this Easy. weekend at the meeting. Sprinkle donuts only, though. I don't want any of that other stuff. Yes! Sprinkle Taylor. donuts. Are- what type of donuts are we talking? Like Krispy Kreme? Uh, let's, just, let's just go with your just normal glazed Krispy Kreme donuts. All right. I could do, I could do bo- at least a box. I two boxes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Such Taylor. a casual answer Taylor, for 24 hot. donuts. Dude, if they're hot, you can just, like... Swallow them whole. They're just pure sugar. That's like right. Right. You could do like a dozen Sick. of hot and now Krispy Kreme donuts and a gallon of milk. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, it's not hard. Sick. Yeah, they're, high, they're right off the press. Now, Caleb, if I would have known this, that's all we would have done in the hotels waiting to compete. No, we had too many other things. Oh, and then I could. What? <laughs> that Morgan would have come in and told us that it still smelled like that. Yeah. <laughs> it did. I'm so it did. Sorry. I'll never live that down. No, you're not. That was like the meanest thing you've ever said to Caleb. It did did smell like that, people. (laughs) (laughs) It was just because we cooked some bacon in the microwave or whatever we cooked. Like like pork short ribs. Pork short ribs in the the thing. Yeah, it was short ribs. And you guys refused to open a window. It was good, and it was amazing, and all we did was watch uh, Dirty Jobs. Yeah. Caleb was telling Mike Rowe he was doing everything wrong. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Sean, how many can you eat? How many are there? <laughs> <laughs> Max effort donut eating. I, I'm asking you, how many donuts do you got? 305. I am handing you the keys to the local Krispy Kreme. All right. Well, until they're out of donuts. Fair enough. Morgan. Wow. I never- well, first of all. Um, I hate Krispy Kreme donuts, we're, so I wouldn't eat them. We're no longer right. friends. We're not friends, Morgan. I know. I'm sorry. Pick I'm a, sorry. Pick a different brand, then, Morgan. Do you guys remember Winchell's donuts? <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I do. Winchell's. Okay. So I only ate the when I was a kid. Okay, this is a long story, but <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom every birthday would bring um, class like donuts for the whole class, and it was sprinkled donuts. So I probably would only eat like two. But 
I could eat probably like 25 donut holes. If, Progen- <laughs> if, if, if Progenics came out with a donut flavored protein powder, <laughs> would you be able to eat the whole bag? Uh, no, no, probably not. <laughs> Caleb, I'm with you. If, if, if you give me a, a anything, go ahead, Morgan. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I could probably eat like eight boxes of just sprinkles. Maybe not the donut. <laughs> could you could you imagine the sugar rush that she'd be on if we gave her just a box of sprinkles? You've answered seven more yeah. questions. Not one of them was what Tom asked you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Caleb, I'm really upset. I didn't know your ability to put away donuts because I would have. That's all I would have bought when we went to the grocery store and we were sitting in uh, the hotel waiting. All weekend because we get there on a freaking Thursday and not lift till Sunday. And Sunday, yeah, I was kind of trying to stay close to weight. Remember the time we went to Skyline? Yes, yeah. that, that was, was amazing. That was right. best place That's okay, Caleb. That's okay. You cleaned your like a champ that day, so it must have been the chili. All right, plug time. What are you guys working on? What do you want people? How can people find you guys? Uh, Morgan, go. Um. I'm really cool. I just have a website. <laughs> um, no, I actually just launched my new website. I just haven't announced it, so this will be great because it'll be October when this goes out. Um, no, I, uh, I did. It's kingmorgan.com, but that's it. <laughs> what about Instagram? How do they find you on Instagram? Uh, it's kingmorgan. <laughs> I know, I know that, they, but people might not, Morgan. <laughs> thank you for the information. Sean, Taylor. How people find you guys? People can go to, yeah, so we have our Barbell Club, Heavy Metal Barbell Club, heavymetalbarbellclub.com. You can get on there and get, uh, if you want to work on with nutrition with Taylor, or if you want remote coaching, you can go there, uh, or you can come and train with us in Charlotte, Charlotte's best barbell club. Um, That's only barbell club, maybe? (laughs) Maybe only. Uh, And then uh, you can follow us on Instagram at at Sean M. Rigsby and then at Harris Taylor. With an E. Taylor with an E. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb, how can people find you? I know you don't do Instagram. <laughs> On a farm but... in Washington. <laughs> yeah. Website. Give me a website. So people can get some of your quality products. P.O. Box number. P.O. Box number. Yeah. Uh, what what carrier pigeon do you prefer? Oh, so hey, uh, check out farmboyllc.com. That would be kind of the stuff we sell our beef under. Uh, Farm Boy LLC on, at Facebook. Um yeah, feel free to message us anytime. Or, I mean, I just had Caleb Whitby on Facebook. So, nice. just doing the local. Yeah. Um, at Zella Time on Instagram and at Zella Time on Twitter. I'm about to resurrect my Twitter page. So everybody get ready. <laughs> oh, God help us all. Um, for history, history facts daily, check it out. <laughs> We're going to try to bring back the Mad Mike's Magic Minute because we've had a bunch of different questions come up in the gym. But um, James Tatum can be found at, at James Tatum USA, um, TatumTrain.com, and I believe he is doing stuff with um, the Outlaw Barbell Program with Jared now. Um, so those are the places you can find him. Check us out at The Strength Agenda, at The Strength Agenda. I'm on uh, Instagram at, at I am Tom Sorka. Guys, thank you very, very much for this. This was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, we'll have to do this like in person sooner rather than later, but I'll take later if that's what it takes. But, uh, thank you guys very much for clearing out about an hour of your schedule to do this with me. Anytime, Tom. Love you guys. 
Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.